Begin a worship service this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're certainly glad to have you. Invite you back for the evening service at six o'clock. And we ask if you're visiting to fill out a card. We have them in the back of the pews. Fill out a card if you would, and you can give them to someone beside you or put them in the collection plate. To we would uh, love to find out more about you and uh, hang around if you would and let someone, uh, some of us, meet you and talk to you. Also, just wanted to say again that we had a baptism this past week. Uh, Glada Fuller, she was baptized the first of the week. Glada was baptized in 1969, and she just wanted to, uh, to be sure that she was baptized for the right reason. And she's been a member of the church for many years. But uh, she left to go to Florida for three months, so you won't be able to see her. But uh, if you're watching Glada, we're thankful that you was baptized. And, and uh, let's pray for her, Glada Fuller. Also check the Rome Journal for uh, those in need of prayers and uh, those... Uh, for whatever reason it may be, and, and for those mentioned in our class this morning, in our Bible class, we always uh, we hear names that uh, that's not in our journal, so we just we want to remember everyone and just pray for people that uh, was mentioned in our Bible classes. And, and I want to mention my brother. He's been having chemo, and he got a report back that it's not doing, this chemo's not doing any good. They found a few spots in these lungs and uh, on the thyroid, so keep Terry Leap in your prayers. Also, I was looking at a uh, little article that got my attention, and, and, and I had a picture of an elderly lady, and it says, when the elderly die, a library is lost, and volumes of wisdom and knowledge are gone. And I thought, that, that, that is such a, a big statement. And, and, and I think of, uh, think of members that, well, good example, Hilda and Babe Jones and, and elderly ladies and, that we've lost recently and, and, the, and the wisdom that these ladies had and, and, and that they showed to people. And you didn't have to be around them long to know that. And, uh, but I, I just like that. And... and I thought about verses uh, James 3.13. I like to read that. And it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. And then there's all kinds of verses that we can read on, on wisdom. We know Proverbs is, is full of wisdom. Job 12, 12. I would like to read Job 12, 12. And Job 12, 12 says, Wisdom is with the aged, and understanding in length of days, and I think we all know what that's saying, because I think all of us here that, that are 
getting older or, or older than we was 10 years ago or whatever, I think we know about that wisdom it's talking about. And uh, so let's keep that in mind this morning and, 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 and let's seek for wisdom as Christians and, and knowledge and as uh, God would have us to do. Bow with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, this beautiful morning that uh, we can gather here together. And Father, with, with our brothers and sisters of like faith, and, and the Father tried to uh, forget the things that, that uh, are going on around us, Father, that's uh, not important. Father, the things that, that may keep our minds off of uh, worshiping you this morning. Father, for one hour that, that we will seek wisdom and, and, and listen to what Chris has to say and, and, and seek more knowledge, Father, about you so that we can share it with others and, and, and help others to see Jesus in us. And, and Father, we pray for our country. We pray, Father, for our leaders that, uh, that they will seek you, Father, for for knowledge and, and for some understanding, Father, on, on how, to, how to lead us in, in a better way. And, and Father, the examples that, that we've seen set before us, we are so thankful for that. We pray, Father, for those uh, this morning uh, of our congregation and, and, Father, those who have requested prayer that, that you will be with them. And, and Father, that... Uh, that you will comfort them and be with the doctors who attend them. And, and, Father, help us to remember them and pray for them and encourage them any way that we can. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus. We're thankful that uh, he was willing to come and die on the cross, Father. And, and we know that no one took his life from him, that he laid it down for us. And that we can be truly thankful for. Be with us as we uh, go on in through our service, Father, and, and uh, help us to always uh, strive to be what you would want us to be. Be with Chris as, as he brings us a lesson. We're thankful for him and his family. We're thankful for David and his family. And, and Father, we're so thankful for the congregation here at Rome. Bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number nine, hymn number nine, A Wonderful Savior. <clears throat> a wonderful Savior Behold, we are and I shall be heard. He 
Please be seated. <clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 134. 134. Faith is a victory. <clears throat> After this hymn, Brother Nathan Thompson will have our scripture reading and prayer. We'll sing the first, second, and third verse. In Capitol, on the hills of the Christian soldiers rise and press the battle where the night shall hear the glory's cries against the foe in their This morning's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians and the 6th chapter. We'll be reading uh, verses 18 through 20. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do, not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Let us pray. O loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we are all so very thankful to have the opportunity to gather here this morning. We ask for your, your love and grace over those that were mentioned this morning that are suffering from sickness and illness and those that have, are, are dealing with the loss of loved ones. Father, we ask that you guide Chris throughout his sermon, that uh, the words that he speaks and the lessons he teaches will touch someone and bring them closer to you. 
And throughout the next song, Father, we ask that you let everyone's mind get to the right place for communion and prepare, prepare for that, uh, prepare for communion. Father, we ask that you uh, be with everyone throughout the sermon. We're, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to gather here this morning in your son's name. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 764, When We Meet in Sweet Communion. In Matthew 4, 18 through 20, we read, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fisher, fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. 
Jesus and his small group of followers set out to change the world. They were armed with the word of God and their mission was, was accomplished. Many of us are blessed in our lives to, to have family and friends that have given us support and encouragement. Even after those that, that we love have passed on, we still remember them fondly. One day we will meet Jesus and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But until then, we are to remember him for the extreme sacrifice he has made in our behalf. Jesus, who was without sin, died for our sins. In Luke 22:19, we read, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's, let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as, as we gather together on, on this day, we remember your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifices he made for us, that his body was broken for us because of our sins, but Jesus took away our sins by dying and gave, gave himself for us. We thank you for this supreme sacrifice, and we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Luke 22:20 20 says, Likewise, also, the, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, once again we come to you remembering Christ and the blood that, that he shed for the remission of our sins. We didn't deserve this sacrifice, but we're thankful, God, that you loved us and cared enough for us to give your only begotten son for the remission of our sins. He has died. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes our communion service this morning, but while the young men are still on the floor, we, are, we will take up an offering, and I'd, I'd like to read in 2 Corinthians 9-7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We pray with me again. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful, Lord, for, for the many blessings in life that you have given us, for our health and our strength, and for those here that love you, God, and give give everything to you, God. We, we are thankful that, that you have been so good to us. Bless this offering as it is used to help promote your word and your church here in this community. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 71, Blessed Assurance. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Number 71. Blessed
please be seated. The invitation hymn for this morning, number 103, Come to Jesus, 103, Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Go ahead and flip your Bibles over to the book of Acts. We are in a, uh, our theme this year is on evangelism, and so we're looking at the first century church, and you find that church in the book of Acts. In Acts, Luke records for us that that church is unstoppable. You cannot stand in the way of Jesus' mission. Uh, many people try, but they are either converted or steamrolled over. There's no stopping Jesus' mission. And today we're going to look at Acts chapter, toward the end of chapter 1. We're going to get into chapter 2 this morning, but I want to start with uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, really verse 12. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Some interesting things are, are happening toward the end of chapter 1. Um, Jesus has told the disciples to stay and wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. You'll know when He comes. There won't be any surprise. You won't have to ask yourself, well, is this him? You'll know, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes. And so they're waiting. They wait for a little while. Um, And so what do you do while you wait? That's that's the question we're going to deal with kind of in this first section of our lesson this morning as we think about four things an unstoppable church does while it waits. Those two things don't seem to go together, do they? You've got an unstoppable church who is behind Jesus' mission and you can't stop it. There's no one that can stand in its way. Satan tries, the Roman authorities try, the Jewish leaders try, and nobody can stop his mission. And so you've got an unstoppable church who's now just waiting. It seems like an odd time, and it seems like in our own lives, maybe we don't always use those times well. Let me ask you a question to illustrate that. What do you do when you're sitting behind someone waiting on your fast food order? Right? If you're ever at Wendy's, what do you do? That's what I do. I pull out my phone and start playing on Facebook or checking emails or something, right? What about when you're sitting at a red light? Don't do that. That's bad. You shouldn't do that when you're sitting at a red light. But like when you're waiting in a waiting room, huh? That's better. When you're waiting in a waiting room at a doctor's office or somewhere like that, how, well, how do you spend your free time? What, what do you do while you're waiting? Often, if you're like me, we kind of waste away that time, don't we? I, I don't know if I think maybe it's only going to be like five minutes and I can't really accomplish anything in five minutes or, or whatever, but often it's 30 minutes or a greater amount of time, but often... I feel like we, we waste that time we have while we're waiting. And, and I want to use every minute I've been given. I want to redeem my time. And so what do we do while we wait? Well, there are four things toward the end of Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 12, that an unstoppable church does while it waits. Let's, let's walk through these very quickly. Check out what happens here. Starting in uh, verse 12, it says, Then they returned to Jerusalem. Jesus has ascended. Now they're going back to Jerusalem to wait. 
And they're coming from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas the son of James. Not Judas Iscariot, he's already gone. There are two Judases in the disciples. Sometimes he's called Jude, but different, different guy than Judas Iscariot. Verse 14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So what, what does an unstoppable church do while it waits? Well, these guys got around people who were spiritual that will be the church very soon, but not the church yet, but they got around people that were Jesus people. We think of it as the church today, and so we need to be devoted to Christian fellowship. An unstoppable church devotes itself to Christian fellowship. It's one of the keys to redeeming our times, to using our waiting time effectively. We need to devote ourselves to Christian fellowship. There are a lot of people out there that are our friends, that are our family, that say that they want what's best for us, but often they don't. Because their priorities aren't often your priorities, are they? Your priority is to get yourself and as many people around you to heaven, right? That's our priority. Number one priority, get myself to heaven. Number two, get everybody I can around me to heaven. That's where we're going. The people who are not members of the church don't care about that, do they? They care about a lot of other things. And some of those things are fine and good to care about. You need to care about some of those things. But your number one priority is getting to heaven and getting everyone around you to heaven. And often they don't care. And so they're going to give you bad advice. And so they're going to focus on things that you don't have to focus on. There's a lot of things that they focus on, the world focuses on. Those things aren't worth focusing on. They're not worth spending your time on. And so you need to be around people that are building you up, that are encouraging you, that are pushing you toward your goal. We've got enough distractions. We don't need people to invite people into our lives who distract us from our number one goal. We've got that in abundance. We need people around us that help us focus on our goal. And so we devote ourselves to Christian fellowship while we're waiting. Another thing we do is we make prayer a priority. You notice the last verse we read there in verse 14. All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer. These guys were, were praying. We need to make prayer a priority. This is something the first century church does repeatedly. If you go through the book of Acts, read through the book of Acts. I mentioned, I mentioned that last week. Uh, we need to read through this book. We need to be, become familiar with its stories and, and, it, uh, and, and how Luke words things and, and, and the, the things that keep on popping back up. But one of the things that pops back up in the book of Acts repeatedly is this focus on prayer. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 12, when Peter and John, uh, Peter and James are imprisoned, eventually James will be beheaded um, by Herod, or excuse me, by Agrippa uh, I. Um, we'll talk about his son tonight in the lesson, by the way. So come back and, and, and learn about Agrippa II. But when in, James, in Acts 12, when Peter and James are in prison, where's the church? What are they doing? They're not twilling their thumbs. They're not worried. They're, they're praying. And you find that because Peter gets out of prison after James is beheaded. 
God shakes the, the, the prison and Peter is released. And he's able to walk past the guards and no one stops him. He walks over to the house of Mary and knocks on the door and they think he's a ghost. <laughs> but they're, they're inside the house. They're praying. Um, it certainly marked the apostles' lives. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, just a couple of chapters over, uh, you find them in the midst of prayer as they serve or as they uh, uh, devote seven men to uh, the, the work of the church. They appoint these first deacons. They devote themselves to prayer uh, in that instance. Peter is praying in Acts chapter 10 when the messenger comes from Cornelius uh, to, to come over and teach him. That's what pre Peter is doing at that time. Paul and his company made it a practice to pray regularly. In Acts chapter 16, when uh, they cast the demon out of the, out of the, the little girl, the fortune-telling girl in Philippi, they're on their way to where? Do you remember? They're on their way to pray. This is a constant fixture in the church, and it's something we need to focus on. We need to make this a priority. Um, the church had better not let football players outdo us in this regard. Um, a couple days ago, I noticed that uh, ESPN anchor praying for, uh, for, for Hamlin, the football player that was hit and is now in the hospital and is recovering. That's great news. And I, I was astounded when the ESPN, ESPN anchor started praying for him on national television. Oh, man, this is, this is wild. Like, this is, this is Acts kind of stuff. People who are secular in nature start turning toward him and what can he do with that? Well, he can do anything he wants to because he's God. And you see that in the book of Acts. And, oh man, this is wild. And then last night when um, the, what was it, the Jaguars and, oh, who are they playing? Titans, there it is. I should have known that one. The Jaguars and the Titans were playing and they had prayer on midfield before the game. It was just, it was just crazy, right? Football players better not outdo the church in this regard. This is our thing, right? It's amazing that they're praying. Awesome. Go, go for it. That's great. But this is something we should have been making a priority for the last 2,000 years. And it needs to be a priority in our own lives. We will not be outdone in this regard by, by anyone. Prayer needs to be a priority. It was in the first century church. It's one of the things that made them unstoppable. If we want to be unstoppable, it has to be a priority for us as well. Very quickly. Uh, notice they're focused on Scripture. It's one of the things that they did while they were waiting. It's one of the things that we can and should do while we're waiting because we're in a waiting period too, aren't we? We're waiting on His return. That's the exact same thing that they were waiting on. It's what every Christian's been waiting on for the last 2,000 years. And so we're in a waiting period too. So what do you do while you wait? Well, you focus on Scripture if you want to be unstoppable. Check out what, what goes on here in verse 16. Peter stands up. Among the 120 that are gathered there, the 12, uh, yeah, the 12 apostles, including Matthias, and there's, there's 120 people gathered there. And this is what Peter says in verse 16. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Peter's saying he, he was one of us, right? He, he was one of our co-workers. Can you imagine their mindset at Judas's betrayal of Jesus, but they really all betrayed him. And we'll talk more about that tonight as well. But listen to what he says here 
in verse 18. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, this, this is what Peter says, this is his connection. It's written in the book of Psalms, this is Psalm uh, 69, 25. He says, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it. Dwell in it. And in another place, Psalm 109, verse 8, he says, let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forth two guys. What I want you to understand the Holy Spirit didn't reveal this to Peter. This is before the Holy Spirit comes, uh, before he, he uh, immerses them into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't reveal this to Peter. This is something Peter has thought about for a good long time. You don't come to a revelation like this from Scripture just like that, off the bat. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, for you guys that have, have studied in this way, you know that Peter has been focused on sections of scripture during this time of waiting. And he's got some questions, right? Do, do we need to replace Judas? And he comes up with Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. And these are not messianic psalms. At least they weren't before Peter makes this announcement. No one thought of these psalms as messianic. No one thought they were talking about the Messiah. These are Davidic psalms. These are psalms written by David. Uh, that are talking about uh, instances in his own life. He is, uh, in Psalm 109, is talking about someone who has betrayed him. Uh, could be his own son. Remember when uh, his son tries to take the kingdom away from David. Maybe it's, maybe it's talking about that. Maybe it's talking about one of the other instances in David's life where he's betrayed by someone. And Peter looks at these as he's reading through these passages, and it all connects for him. You know why it connects? Because he spent a ton of time in Scripture. We need to spend a ton of time in Scripture during our waiting period. This is one of the things that we need to do. If we want to be unstoppable, this is one of the keys that make the church unstoppable. We focus on Scripture. Here's the last one. These two guys. Pick back up in, uh, in verse 23. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barabbas, who was also called Justice, and, and Matthias, different guy, Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So we need to make room for new people. The apostles realized they needed all the help they could get. Uh, we need to see that too. The ministry is too big. And the apostles are going to find that out very quickly. They've already understood they have to take the word of Jesus, his mission to all of Jerusalem, which is probably big enough for all of them. But then they have to go to Judea, Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. That's a whole lot of people. And so they're thinking this job, this mission is too big and it's too important for us to drop the ball. We need help. And so they appoint this guy, Matthias, uh, to take Judas's role because they know they need all the help that they can get. We have a bigger work than they did because we have a bigger world than they did. It would be a shame 
if, let me back up, I'll say this a different way. Usually, somewhere around 10, 15, 20% of the people in the church do 90% of the work, right? It would be a shame if we relegated the Lord's work to just what 10 or 20% of our congregation could do. Wouldn't that be a catastrophe? How small the work would be and how big his vision is for it. We need to make room for new people. And we've gained so many new people uh, over the last year, even over the last two years. We've gained so many new people. That's so awesome. And you're getting involved and we're so excited you're here and what God can do through this congregation. Unfathomable. You might even call it unstoppable. We have a vast work ahead of us. And we're so glad that you're a part of what God's trying to do in our city and in our world through this congregation. But we need everyone's assistance. We need everyone to be on the same page, working toward the same goal. The mission deserves it, and it's too big otherwise for us to do it by ourselves. Acts chapter 2. This is, this is really where we're headed now. Acts chapter 2. Uh, you see again in Acts 2 verses 1 and 2 uh, that the apostles are there in one place. This is, this is something that they're devoted to. This is, this is a, a rhythm of the early church. It's something they regularly did. They were together often. Our life groups are good at that. Um, and, and they're starting to take off now. But they're, even they're not going to be sufficient for this kind of lifestyle. You need to be together. We need to... Be friends. We need to spend a lot of time together to have these kinds of relationships like they're having in the first century. Here's something interesting. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And the entire house, and filled the entire house where they were sitting. So what's going on with this mighty rushing wind? Well, it's God's presence. He's visiting his people. He's coming down to do something new, to do something special. You know that because he often shows up in the Old Testament in the form of a whirlwind or a breeze. In Job 38, after Job has asked his question, after Job has finally, I suppose, lost patience with his friends, he's got three friends that come in. After, all the, after Job's life just falls apart, he's got three buddies that come in. And, and the wisest thing that these three guys do after he, his life has fallen apart is they sit there and cry with him for a week. And after the week is over, they open their mouths. And that was the worst possible thing that they could have done because they start accusing Job of doing wrong. Um, it was a common Old Testament wrongful idea that uh, God is using punishing you because you've done something wicked. Sometimes that's true in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's not. Job is a perfect example of that. He is innocent and he has done nothing wrong and he keeps coming back to that idea. And so their constant badgering at him over this uh, really gets in his head, I guess. And so he starts accusing God and uh, of wrongdoing, of injustice. And so in Job 38, God 
questions Job. He has something like 66 questions for Job, and Job can't answer any of them. You're familiar with these. It's like three or four chapters worth of questions where God just sets Job back on his heels. And Tell me how the clouds work, Job. Oh yeah? You don't know how the clouds work? How do mountain goats birth, and how do they walk up on the, on the mountains? You don't understand that, Job? Well, tell me about the deeps in the sea and how there's springs. Did you know there's springs, like freshwater springs in the ocean? God did back in Job's day. It was contemporary of Abraham. And Job says, I don't know any of those things. And God says, well, maybe you should keep your mouth shut about things you don't know about then. But he says that from a whirlwind. He sets down in a world. It's Job 38 verse 1. You can go back and read it for yourself. But he sets down in a whirlwind and he starts questioning Job. In 1 Kings 19, you're probably more familiar with this one maybe. Um, Elijah is on the run from Jezebel, uh, king of Israel or queen of Israel. Uh, she wants to kill him, and he's, he, it's a long story, but Elijah's basically tapped out. He, he's tired, spiritually, emotionally, physically drained, and so he needs some renewal. And so he goes to this cave, and he wants to meet with God, and he too kind of, kind of has this accusatory tone with God. Uh, I'm the only one that's serving you, and, and, and they're trying to kill me. And what he's not really saying here is, where are you? Why haven't you shown up here? Well, he did. He showed up back on Mount Caramel, didn't he? And, and amazing things happened. The revolution has swept through uh, Israel. But for whatever reason, Elijah can't see it just now. But God shows up there in, in the form of a breeze, uh, a wind, a strong wind. And so in Acts 2, when this mighty rushing wind envelops the house... You're supposed to see, and all the Jewish people there would have recognized, God's presence is here. He's doing something. He's finally visited us again. He, remember, from John the Baptist back 400 years, God has said nothing. He's been completely quiet. That's unusual, to say the least. Usually, he will send prophets, he'll send kings, he'll send somebody with a word from him. But he hasn't done that in 400 years before John the Baptist. Finally, John the Baptist is the one in the, in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way for the Lord. And Jesus comes along. He does all these fabulous miracles. He, he has all this teaching. He, he, he turns Israel upside down in its head. And they kill him for it. And some people are now saying he's been resurrected and that he's gone back into heaven. And what's going on? Guys, on the day of Pentecost, when they saw this, or when they heard this whirlwind, every Jewish person in the crowd should have been, God's here. He's doing something. Pay attention. This is big. This is bigger than big. Every bit of your attention needs to be focused here. Maybe this is a good time to pause for just a second and go down this corollary path with me. For just, for just a second. This mighty rushing wind filled the entire house. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. I, I've read through Acts 2. I can't tell you many times. I, I don't think I've ever noticed this before. But it, it, this mighty rushing wind filled the entire house. That's interesting. Because in uh, Isaiah 6, what's... What's going to happen there? God's the train of his robe 
is going to fill the entire temple. Wherever he is, he fills that container to its brim. Whatever spot God is in, he fills it so that not one more thing can be fit in that container. In, in heaven, when Isaiah is transported there, God's train, his presence, really symbolic, uh, the train of his robe is symbolic of his, of his entire presence. And it's said to fill the entire temple, which is massive. Here, his, his presence in the form of this mighty rushing wind fills the entire house. Wherever he is, he fills up that container so much so that not one more thing, not one ounce, not one pebble can fit in that container. That's going to be important in just a second. Don't, don't let go of that thought. And maybe you want to underline that, that little phrase in your Bible. Wherever he is, he fills up that container so that nothing else can fit. It's just him. Hold on to that thought. And let's walk back through some more of Acts chapter 2. When the apostles start talking, the people have noticed something about what's going on around them. There are tongues of fire on top of their heads. And so what's going on here? Well, this is yet another sign of God's presence. This is just one more visible sign that he is here, that he's speaking through these men, that he's doing something incredibly special. And you need to stop talking and start listening. And so let, let me walk you through a couple of these. Uh, he, his presence has shown up in fire repeatedly in the Old Testament. It's one of his favorite images for himself. In fact, in, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses first, meet, first meets him, God's presence is shown up in a, a bush that's on fire but it's not being burned up. In Exodus chapter 13, after he's liberated Israel from Egyptian slavery, he leads them in a pillar of fire by, by night. His presence is there with them. And in fact, when the Egyptian army comes against them, that pillar of fire is going to fight for them. It is God. It is His presence. It's a symbol of His presence there with His people. In Exodus chapter 19, as He's about to give them the, uh, the Ten Commandments on top of Mount Sinai, the mountain is said to be on fire. Well, why is it on fire? His presence is right there. It's on top of the mountain. And Moses goes up to the top of the mountain to meet with him. And, and he meets with fire. God's presence is illustrated by fire repeatedly in the Old Testament. And so when the apostles and everyone in the room heard that mighty rushing wind, God's here. And then they go outside and they start meeting with at least 3,000 people. 3,000 of them are going to be baptized. That's what we, that's what we hear at the end of uh, Acts chapter 2. But much more likely there were thousands upon thousands of people there. And so when they go out and these, this massive group sees the, the fire on top of their heads, God is, is here and he's saying something. I better listen. Now, go back with me to that thought about how God fills up every container he's in. Every, every spot he's in, he fills it up completely with him 
with himself. And there's not one, there's not room for, for one ounce or, or one pebble more to put in there. What are the apostles, what's their message in Acts chapter 2? You crucified Jesus. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. And though you killed him, he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he was resurrected. And now he, he reigns on high with the Father. And he's given us a mission to tell everybody about this. And so here we are, we're telling you about this. And Peter convinces them. And the other apostles convinced the, the, at least 3,000 people that were there that day that they really had crucified Jesus and that he really was God and is God and that the only way that they could be saved was through the power of baptism. So forgiveness of sins is imputed to us, is given to us when we're baptized. It's the only way to be forgiven of our sins. It's the only method through which we can find forgiveness. You can't pray a prayer and find forgiveness. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't talk about praying a prayer and getting forgiveness. The Bible talks about obedience and being baptized, being immersed into Jesus' blood, and that giving us forgiveness. But the Bible doesn't know about this idea of praying a prayer and finding forgiveness. It's completely foreign to Scripture. And so Peter says, if you want forgiveness, you've got to be baptized. But there's, there's a, another blessing that's backed up to forgiveness. Your baptism doesn't just forgive you of your sins. It also gives you, in verse 38, the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have the Spirit like they had Him that day. The apostles were given a miraculous version of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have that today. Um, that, that power is gone, but you still have the Holy Spirit. He just doesn't work in this miraculous fashion anymore through His people. We have something better now. We have the Word. And he imbues us with power to be able to live lives that are consistent with that truth. Because life is hard. And living like he has called you to live is difficult. And you need help. Check out what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look in verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Where has God chosen to live now? In you. And every baptized believer, the Holy Spirit lives now. And he fills up that container just like he does every other container he's ever lived in completely. And there's not room for any other priorities and there's not room for any other ideas. And there's not room for any other hobbies or friends or family. In fact, he says he supersedes all those things. You trash all those other things. Even your life is not worth superseding Christ. He says it's not that way. You give your life for me. He fills us up so completely that there's not room for any other agendas, any other priorities, any other things going on in our life outside of Him and His message. And so your work is driven by Him. 
And so what do you do at your job? Well, you bring glory to God and you try to evangelize. And so what about your friendships? Well, you bring glory to God and you try to evangelize. What about your family? Well, you bring glory to God and you try to evangelize. What about your hobbies? You bring glory to God and you try to evangelize. He fills up every bit of us so that there's not room for anything else out there. No other hobbies or agendas or personalities. There's, there's, he changes your personality when you come to Him, right? That's what He says with the, works, uh, with the, the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, you're not patient? You will be. <laughs> you give it a little bit of time. Oh, you're not kind? You will be. You stay in this word, you stay in those people, you make prayer a priority, you make room for new people. You do what you're supposed to do. You be who you're supposed to be while you're waiting. And guess what happens? You get to be a part of this. You get to become unstoppable. If you don't do those things, if you refuse to make prayer a priority, if you refuse to, to focus on Scripture, if you refuse to make Christian fellowship a priority, if you refuse to make room for new people in Jesus' mission, you get left out. His mission continues. You just don't get to be a part of it. Judas's betrayal of Jesus did not affect his mission. Judas just got left out of it. I don't want to get left out of it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what he's doing in his kingdom. And I hope you do too. We have to be who he wants us to be to do that. Before we can do anything, though, we've got to have our sins washed away to become clean so he can have relationship with us, so he can give us the spirit so, that our forg- so we can have forgiveness of our sins. So if you're not been baptized this morning, that's the very first step to becoming unstoppable in this mission. You're not unstoppable. The Spirit's unstoppable. And once He lives inside of you and you are who He wants you to be, you become unstoppable as you present His message message and His mission to a lost and dying world. Maybe you've already been baptized and and you're struggling and, and you need the prayers of this congregation If we can help you in any way, why don't you come as we stand and sing? Thank you.
Please be seated. Jimmy Wilgus comes forward this morning. He's, uh, he's got a prayer request. Uh, his cancer has returned about seven years ago. Um, you're familiar with uh, He was able to beat this cancer, um, but it's, it's come back. And he's got a biopsy uh, tomorrow morning at 630 uh, that he would covet your prayers for, as well as uh, the Metaport's going to be placed tomorrow. Uh, so... Let's be in prayer for him. This is, this is a tough thing. and um, It's awful that it's come back, but certainly we'll be praying for him and, and praying for the best and strength and endurance. And um, He also asked for prayers for his mom and dad. You're familiar, of course. Miss um, Margaret's not doing well. She hasn't been doing well for, for some time now. And, um, uh, Jim's still doing well. Uh, he's strong and, and everything's going well with him, but it's just... Uh, so that's a burden, uh, a lot of work uh, to do, and um, caring for Miss Margaret and things like that. And so, we know that that's uh, something he enjoys and loves. But prayers will certainly be beneficial. So I want to invite um, Mike Williams, one of our shepherds here at Rome, to to come pray for for Jimmy and for uh, Jim and Margaret. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we approach you at this time thanking you for this avenue of prayer that you give us. Thank you that we're able to communicate directly to you, Father, and that we're able to bring our request to you. Father, at this time, I want to lift Jimmy Wilgus up, ask that you will strengthen his body with the health issues that he is undergoing. I pray that you will Give him comfort and peace as only you can. Father, be with the doctors that are working with him. Give them the knowledge of the best way to, to treat and to eradicate this cancer, Father, and restore Jimmy's health. I pray also, Father, that you'll be with Jimmy's parents, Jim and Margaret, They've been such a fixture to this congregation for so many years, and we thank you for their love and devotion to you and for the example they have been to so many. And as they're facing their own health issues, we pray for them, that you'll strengthen their bodies, that you'll give them good days, Father, and, and that you'll be with them at this time with the burden that they are feeling with and the concern with Jimmy's cancer and your word tells us, Father, that you are the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion. I pray that Jimmy and Jim and Margaret will feel this comfort, that they'll gain strength from it, and that they'll feel you working through this situation. And Father, be with us as a congregation that we will take advantage of this blessing of prayer 
that we'll use it to grow closer to you, to be an encouragement to those around us, and that we'll remember all of those within our church body that are struggling with various difficulties and, and health issues. Father, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray all these things to your son, Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church family. I hope everybody's doing all right this morning. Um, first off, uh, uh, Wednesday, I saw uh, two parents, uh, very proud parents. Uh, they came to church with their heads held high and their chest out and, um, and because of their son. Uh, Jerry and Mary were very proud of their son, Jason. For, Jason got Speaker of the House in Ohio, so we're very proud of him and congratulations to him and keep him in your prayers as uh, what he does. So, uh, but um, that's great news. Um, as a reminder, the Life Group One, that's Rick's Rick Keister's life group will be meeting uh, this, this morning after church um, in the middle auditorium for uh, soup and sandwiches. Uh, so uh, there's plenty of soup and sandwiches, so uh, please uh, come to that if you, if you are in life group one. Also, a reminder, uh, life group's responsibilities change this month. Um, if you're not familiar uh, with what life group you're in, uh, there are sheets out there in the foyer. Please ask uh, Rick or one of the elders, um, what's going on with the responsibilities and how life groups work. Um, also, uh, January the 15th, there will be a deacons meeting at 5 o'clock, so all deacons, please put that in your schedule. And on January the 15th, there will be a middle school and high school devotional at my house uh, after evening services. Uh, January the 17th, there will be Ladies of Joy at 6 o'clock. Uh, there will be painting involved, uh, so... I don't know how, I've seen some of our young people paint, um, so dress appropriately, I guess, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, uh, the 17th as well as Young at Heart, we'll be heading to Seanette's uh, Country Cafe in Milton. Um, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board if you're wanting to go uh, with us to that. So please sign up as soon as possible. Also, on Saturday, January the 21st at 1 o'clock will be the chili cook-off. Uh, so looking forward, and that's for everybody uh, to come to that. Updates on our prayer list. It's great to see Clinton with us here this morning. He's been feeling ill, and it's good to see him back with us to worship. Uh, Merrill, continue to keep Emily Bowen in your prayers. Uh, she had surgery on her shoulder uh, last week, and she's now at home recovering. So Merrill, continue to keep her in your prayers. Keep Abby Ward in your prayers as well. She is having knee surgery this week. Uh, seems like a lot of your young people are having surgery. Man. But uh, remember to keep Abby Ward in your prayers as she goes through surgery as well in the Ward family. Um, remember to keep um, the Floyd family in your prayers and uh, Alice and Charlie Boso and, and – um, Jim and Margaret Wilgus in your prayers as well, and, and Peg and Roger Pryor in your prayers as they uh, deal with their loved ones and taking care of them. That's a lot, a lot on their plates and minds. Just remember to continue to keep them in your prayers. Also, remember to continue to keep the ones that are dealing with cancer. Keep Terry Leaf in your prayers, 
And also keep Jim Wilgus in your prayers that we just mentioned as well, and Jim Haney and Jennifer Baker in your prayers as well. Um, that's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 643, The Lord My Shepherd Is. And after this hymn, Brother Hunter Thompson will have a prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for another beautiful Lord's Day that you blessed us all with, for the opportunity for us to gather here and to worship you and to learn more about you and to bring praise to your name. Pray that you be with every one of us here today, those mentioned who are on the prayer list, those who can't be. Put your hand over every one of us. Keep us safe. Keep us healthy. Bring us back so that we may praise you again another time. In Jesus' name, amen.